my name is Banala Sarami. I'm the host to the Pharmacogenomics for Pharmacists podcast on one of the largest pharmacy podcast network. When I was a student in pharmacy school, I was doing research with Washington University, going to people's homes that are age over 65 who are homebound, looking at all their medications. And I realized all these patients are on the same medications, but they have different side effects or advantages to them. So when I stumbled upon pharmacogenomics, I realized that was the missing piece of why everyone was acting different with the medication. It's all the genetic. So I'm a pharmacogenomics coach and I'm also a medical science liaison for a pharmacogenomics company. I create content on pharmacogenomics, educating providers and sales rep to provide more information on the value of pharmacogenomics and implementation of that piece. If you're looking for a pharmacogenomics coach, I can be reached on LinkedIn and also to listen on PGX for Pharmacists podcasts on Apple, Spotify and all the social media platforms as well. You're listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. It was a Monday, September 19th, 2016 that the first podcast that Tony Guerra did, Dr. Tony Guerra took over Pharmacy Future Leaders. And it was a show that I put out dedicated to pharmacy students. Um, and I was so heartful about it. And and I don't know if that's a word, heartfelt about it and really trying to give something to our future pharmacists. And I didn't do a very good job. I only put out about six or seven episodes. But when Tony took the baton, that podcast exploded and it was so popular when when he was leading it. And I was so thankful to have met him through Twitter and we're celebrating today. Tony is our veteran podcaster, part of the network. He has been here for uh, five very fast years of how fast it's gone by. And I can't believe how fast it's gone. Tony, I, I'm so excited to have you here. Hey, thanks for having me, Todd. Uh, again, I, I really appreciate uh, the mentorship that you've given me over this time and just how, uh, man, everything has kind of exploded uh, since, since I started with you and kind of wanted to talk about some of the kind of ways that other people who are trying to do a side hustle or starting their podcast can, can really, you know, what does it get rich in a niche? Is that the, the expression? Uh, so uh, just not only, you know, and, and it wasn't, the money is there, but certainly getting rich in a niche in terms of uh, your relationships with other people, uh, who you're working with and all those things. And it's just, uh, it's just kind of evolved. But uh, again, um, you're the one that was back in what, uh, 2009 or 2008 when you started this whole thing? Yep. March uh, and, 2nd, 2009. Yep. Yeah. So uh, you were the one that, that did the hard work back when podcasting was in, was in its infancy. And now it's in every rental car across the country. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I'm excited to get started. Yes, I, I've seen this come a long way. Um, back then, there was one podcast about the pharmacy industry, um, none being done by pharmacists. And now I think there are um, just under 200 podcasts that have been released. Uh, there's under 100 that are consistently being put out um, by pharmacists or pharmacy professionals. And I'm just in a, in a position of joy to see how much content is coming from the pharmacy profession, not only in podcasting, but also in, in video, in books that have been written in, uh, courses that are being developed. Uh, we have to give a shout out to the one and only, uh, Dr. Blair Thielemeyer, who was one of my, uh, hosts as well. And, um, and we helped to, to get exposure of what she was doing out. And then she launched on her own and, Dr. Aaron Albert and um, Ron Lanton and like all of like the the old school, the OC um, podcasters. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah. So trip down memory, trip down amnesia lane, as Robin Williams. Amnesia said. lane. That's right. But your um, your road, just for listeners, if if you don't know Dr. Gara Tony and and what he's doing, um, you're active on Twitter. You have uh, an Instagram, obviously on LinkedIn. I'm going to have in the show notes places for people to hook up and, and connect with you. 
The reason is, is you as a content developer are one of the leaders in the pharmacy industry. Your YouTube channel has just ex exploded. You have 33,000 <laughs> subscribers. Yep. Some of your videos have 250,000, if not 265 to 300,000 downloads for just one of the, the, the uh, videos that you've done for education. Uh, the books that you've written in memorizing pharmacology and and pronouncing of of the top 200 drugs has been one of the most popular books in the pharmacy industry. Tony, I want you to just share with our you know our listeners who who also may want to be content developers. And if you're listening and you are a pharmacist or you're a pharmacy technician, content development has so many facets of an opportunity to help you in your own career. But better than that, be able to help others who who are struggling with the consumption of information because of how you come across from either your voice or your creativity or a mixture of all. But just just tell the listeners a little bit about how you got started in, in all of this, Tony. Well, I think the the teacher comes when the student is ready, I feel is the the expression that we should use. And uh, you were that teacher about five years ago. Uh, I had just put up some YouTube videos just because it, it was solving a problem. My students were having trouble getting the content. YouTube was just a little bit easier to do. But this is really timely because yesterday, Audible put my book on sale. And if anyone doesn't know what Audible is, it's kind of the audiobook arm of ACX. And their uh, mailing list is in the millions. So my book yesterday capped out at 281, but that's 281 out of all of the audible books. So I'm talking about Harry Potter and, um, you know, everything. So uh, that was just something that happened because I just kind of kept going with it, kept going with it and just kind of had consistency and continuing to solve problems uh, that I'm seeing that my students had. And, and one of the biggest problems was that uh, students in nursing didn't have chemistry uh, as pharmacists, we were able to kind of bridge that gap because uh, we did a lot of chemistry. And what we really do in practice is, uh, as pharmacists, we're translating the medical chemical speak to patients every day. And all we were doing in that book was really translating that for the nursing group uh, and, and helping them out. Now, I want to make sure that I'm clear that they also help us out. My daughter had uh, broken her uh, collarbone, I want to say it was three or four years ago. And my wife and I could not get that sling on right. I mean, we would even have an extra piece every once in a while. So here's my daughter, you know, the slings kind of hanging. Um, she's got this pain in her shoulder. Come take it to her. My mother-in-law, who's a nurse, about three seconds later, the sling is perfect. And that extra piece finds a home. Then the sling isn't working exactly right. Take it to my sister-in-law, who's a nurse. All of a sudden, the sling is perfect. So like you talk about on the uh, Pharmacy Podcast Network, uh, really this collaboration over and over again has just been fantastic between us and other health professionals. And that's really what uh, I've been doing is, is kind of talking about the importance of those relationships. And one of those uh, just happened to be a, a best-selling book. But really, if you're wanting to do something, start with a problem that's really, really you're passionate about. Don't worry about the money yet. Worry about how you can start developing content to help people with that problem. Uh, and then from there, it kind of takes off because uh, everybody had their first subscriber. Everybody had 100 subscribers, then 1,000 subscribers. And yeah, now it's at 33,000 with some 15, 20 million downloads. But that all started with a subscriber and a problem that people had. And I solved that problem and I got better at solving problems. So uh, that's my first recommendation. Find something you care about as you have. And, and if I remember right, your problem that you solved was actually technology in pharmacy specifically. You were uh, in the technology space, I think. Yeah, I started in long-term care, uh, senior care pharmacy technology, the the software being used in long-term care pharmacies. And it was the very first SQL-based system, which was, uh, I didn't understand the power of that at the time, which was like 2004. But holy cow, if you, if you expected a pharmacy to operate on a closed um, character-based system today, 
you know, they would, they'd tell you to get out. Whereas back then <laughs> the customization of your workflow and, and exporting of data and interfaces with packaging systems, that was non-existent back then. And, and it's amazing how fast it's all changed. And it's a, it's amazing how it's all, you know, it's it, everything's changed about pharmacy since 2004. Yeah. And I guess I just want to make sure I'm, I'm making clear to everybody that uh, they tend to see people in the maturity stage where they're, you know, whatever internet famous and so forth. But I assure you, both Todd and I come from humble, humble beginnings, uh, especially when we're explaining to our wives why we are not coming to bed. <laughs> exactly. Yes. And actually the studio that, that I uh, rented out and built out our, our, our first studio uh, end of 2018, beginning of 2019 was actually good for my marriage because when I leave, I can't, you know, I don't have good internet connectivity out where I live. So there's very little that I can do from a working perspective. So it really has helped to make that break. Otherwise, when I was uh, back in the day, you know, when, when you and I started uh, working together on the podcast and I mean, I, I was, I was sneaking into the office at seven 30 or eight 30 or 10 o'clock at night. And, and I was so obsessed because I had to work that full-time job the next day. And, and it was just a side gig, but um, having that separate location has, has been a, a big help to my life. Yeah. I've also heard that even if you want to have the same space with your wife or partner or spouse, whoever it is that you should separate spaces. So uh, we've still, uh, now I'm back at the office, but I still have my pandemic space, <laughs> which is in the basement. <laughs> and my wife still has her pandemic space, which is in the, our master bedroom. She has her whole uh, computer set up there, but uh, it's, it's important to separate uh, so that you can actually turn that off and, and go back to your family. And, and I, I think that's what I want to make sure that we do talk about, which is uh, besides, of course, helping the, the pharmacy industry. One of the big things that comes out of a side hustle is more happiness when you go back to your family and then also uh, more, more income for your family. And, and right. I think more income and now time, once it matures, the time comes. Uh, but that doesn't, that in the middle, it doesn't feel like it. That's for sure. Yeah. I think, I think of, you know, the time that it takes to generate quality content, not just grabbing a Yeti microphone from Amazon and, and <laughs> deciding you want to become a podcaster, but really putting in the quality that it takes to develop content and an interesting article that I, I sourced before our interview, Tony, was published in March of 2013 uh, by Dr. J, uh, Jay Young, and he's a pharmacist. And Jay Young wrote something that uh, also had participants of Azar Hussein and, and Dr. Uh, Toku. And I'll put this in our show notes, but it says the, the changing face of pharmacy practice and the need for a new model of pharmacy education and the abstract kind of goes through back in 2013, goodness sakes, these guys were way ahead of their time, that pharmacy education, and, and there was a multitude of reasonings for this, must uh, level up. And it must be presented in, in a multitude of different mediums and stop doing just from the text and the lecture, but start surrounding us in a modern day with video, with audio, with um uh, you know, diagrams with things like, um, uh, that, that can be interactive and even, even gamification. And, and I really believe in that I, as a content developer, I'm still young. I, I have 25, 30 years left, uh, God willing that I'm going to be here investing into the profession of pharmacy. And I am, I am on fire. Like we're going in different directions now, Tony, for content development they are going to get much involved with uh, the criteria of publishing and the criterias that are necessary for evidence-based practice, evidence-based medicine, peer reviewing, and so much of what's what's coming to the table to really level up. But isn't it interesting that that these doctors wrote this and it was a it was a a scream to the status quo that hey, um, you know, pharmacy educators, it's it's time to you know to continue to level up and how we train um our future press practitioners yeah and there's a there's a lot of talk around the the pharmacy uh colleges and universities but there is a huge shift from the privates to the publics right now 
where the publics are getting increased enrollment, the privates are getting lower enrollment, but that's a little misleading because some privates are up as much as, and publics are up as much as 70% and others are down as much as 40%. So students, I think, are moving towards those entrepreneurial schools, those schools that have committed to uh, saying, okay, well, we know these options are available to you, but we want to also give you the tools that you need for other ones. So it's it's going to be interesting over the next 10 years to kind of watch as these students are making their choices and continuing to move into innovative places. So let's talk about your content for a second. So number one, I think your YouTube environment is obviously the most popular of all of your content. Is that true? Yeah, even just a podcast episode will have 400 or 300, and those don't go towards the traditional totals. Yep. Um, so, you know, you can add that, let's just say 400 an episode times, you know, 400 episodes, you're talking about 160,000 extra downloads. And in, in addition to the three or 400,000 that I have from the, the podcast. And again, this is just the pharmacy residency podcast, but that came from, okay, we started with the, the pharmacy future leaders, which we passed on to some students that have done a great job with it. Um, and then I actually took the pharmacy leaders podcast, which right. kind of an offshoot of it. And then that pharmacy leaders podcast became the pharmacy residency podcast, which has 400 of its own episodes. Yeah. So, um, but honestly, I, I started with interviews and I really hope to get back to the interviews, but it's always tough time-wise to yep. do it. Um, uh, so, uh, but I'm, I'm, I'm just, you know, super excited about the, the way the YouTube channel has kind of taken off, uh, and, um, yeah, and, and Tony PharmD YouTube channel, that that 30,000. I'm not sure if there is an individual pharmacist that has more on YouTube than I do. Um, I'm not sure. I, I would have to check. Yeah, I don't know either. I, I've, I've sh We should scrub through just for some metrics because we really want to empower and, and get some even some existing courses out which we're going to be developing um, through AudioRx.Study, which is a, a different platform about content development. Um, you also released Memorizing Pharmacology podcast that came out about a month ago through YouTube. Um, is that also being repurposed as a pure audio form or is it is it just on YouTube? Um, that one is uh, both. I, I stayed with Libsyn. I don't know if you're still with Libsyn, but Lib, uh, liberated syndication. Uh, but I'm actually using that for my courses, uh, where the students, uh, the the data show that students, 86% of students want to be able to do all of their work for their classes on their phone. <laughs> so I'm kind of saying, okay, well, how would we make that happen? And one of the big things is, well, okay, you've got a lot of content in these textbooks and everything. Would it be better if in some way we created a podcast. So that could be an audio rather than a read. And so that's what I'm kind of doing this semester, uh, going through the seven pathophysiologic classes uh, and doing that. So the Memorizing Pharmacology podcast is, again, solving a problem. Uh, students are driving to school and driving back. They're not making much use of that time. And they don't have much extra time to do the reading from a traditional textbook. Podcasting is a good solution. And so the Memorizing Pharmacology podcast will be uh, more educational uh, and it's going to be specifically for, you know, kind of a, it's going to be a, what, what I would call a, an evergreen product. You just keep kind of coming back to it rather than the pharmacy residency podcast, which updates every single week or every single other week uh, to make sure that what's going on in this residency season, uh, they're going to get the you know most updated. So two different podcasts, one evergreen, one up to date. Uh, but um, again, kind of taking some of the lessons that I had from from uh, the Pharmacy Podcast Network. That's great. That is great. I um, I see there are a lot of pharmacists who are in fact getting deeper into their side uh, hustles, and many of them are uh, podcasters and video casters, or, or known as vodcasters, and. I, uh, I want to encourage you, if you're listening right now and you just want to pick the brain of, of someone who's been soaking in content development um, for a very long time, you know, reach out to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Uh, we have uh, 40 plus hosts that do nothing but 
um, you know, full-time gigs as pharmacists and then side gigs as content developers. Some of them are doing um, in completed shows that they're just distributing through uh, the PPN. Some of them are doing, um, you know, recordings with myself or Brady, our, our pharmacy um, podcast audio technician. And it's just a mashup. Like there's not one podcast that we're working with, Tony, that, that does something the same. It's, it's all different. And, and that's part of content development, you know, keeping it fresh and keeping it um, honest and keeping it evidence-based. If, if you're digging into something that's clinical and understand that um, your content, if it's directed to other professionals um, has to be exactly that it has to be supported through um, evidence-based study. We're actually working on a project with Ohio State University School of Nursing. Dr. Bernadette Melnick is the chief wellness officer of OSU, and she wrote a book that's one of my most favorite books for structural development of content called Evidence-Based Practice. And it really um, is, it, it places an argument in front of every clinician, every physician, every pharmacist, every nurse uh, practitioner, every nurse that you um, are are holding yourself to a higher standard of of uh, developing um, outcomes, developing treatments, um, executing treatments, and and I took her book that had nothing to do with content development, and I've basically um, absorbed it into our philosophies as as content developers and publishers. Because if I am, if we're playing in the world of of pharmacy education in audio form, which is our primary, then why not deliver something to the marketplace that is as as highest quality as possible, the same quality of of education that you would get uh, in front of a professor or at your college. You should you should be able to get that same quality of content in an audio form that that is a supplement to what you're learning. I never intend our content to take over for uh, the teaching uh, or helping of the education of the either the pharmacy student or the pharmacist. But I definitely think it could become a very strong supplement, which we proved with the NAPLEX podcast with with Dr. Chloe Givens. She did an amazing job in developing that course and that audio uh, supplement. And it's it's helped. Uh, I think we have over 200 subscribers now. Yeah, no, that's that's amazing that you uh, put that together and it was much needed. I know that so many students would use that RX prep book as a doorstop until about a month before graduation. <laughs> and uh, they're like, well, I just got to, you know, I'll get to it. I'll get to it. And and having the audio, having them they're they're going to work anyway, they're <laughs> back and forth. So uh, it makes sense to put it in audio. And, and again, that's what I'm doing at the community college level with the, the students in the pharmacology. But uh, but Nat, you always have to be careful that I don't um, hijack the show because I, I tend to right at the midpoint, start asking the questions and start, you know, just uh, completely taking over. But what I what I wanted to ask you was, um, so you've got all of these groups and all of these different people, 40. What's the common thread? Like, what is it that kind of brings everybody together? And I, I get that it's the Pharmacy Podcast Network. It is a network of, you know, pharmacists and those that, that work with them. But what is it that makes, gets the person from, all right, you know what? I'm seeing there's a problem. I'm actually going to do something about it. What, what is it that you've seen uh, that makes these 40 people so special? So, you know, I say 40 plus because there are, podcasters who have come and gone um that are that are no longer you know with the network but they're still out there and every single one of the pharmacist or the pharmacy professionals or the pharmacy technician um that have been part of our network every single one of them believe that the status quo of our pharmacy industry is unacceptable and every single one of these people believe that they can make a a difference in the in the small component of the universe of the pharmacy industry that they're going to make a difference that they're going to contribute to changing the status quo and to moving um, the pharmacist from the um, you know the the horrible term count, uh, counting of pills or the pill counter which which they're absolutely not but from the the public's perspective, you know, hey, you count pills, you know, and that's, they're full of crap, but moving from that to the actual clinical practitioner, 
and the consultative pharmacist and the pharmacist that is driving uh, the outcome payment model instead of just the being attached to a prescription. And that demand, Tony, is literally shifting and transforming pharmacy. And it's demanding that the rest of our organization, the technological um, position companies and the PBMs and the wholesalers and the the whole organizations that that build the business of pharmacy, they are now being de there. There's demands being put on upon them, saying we're not standing for you know the the pharmacy uh, industry of five or ten or twenty years ago. And I'm so excited about that to be to be a part to see it happening. And I've seen it happen. I mean, we're talking about 2004 when I entered and. When did you enter pharmacy? Oh boy. <laughs> uh, so I started school in 93, graduated in 97. So yeah, uh, it, it had just time. changed from the bachelor's degree uh, to the PharmD. So I uh, kind of got lucky in that aspect, although they doubled our tuition. But uh, <laughs> it's it's been now, oh my gosh, almost, almost 25 years we're getting there. So it's kind of crazy. Oh, the... Um the background that you have and you enjoy running and you enjoy marathons, <laughs> it kind yeah. of, it kind of is a testimony to, you know, your own pharmacy career of that. It's, you know, it wasn't a sprint. It was a, it was a long diligent, you know, plan of looking out to the horizon and even over the horizon, you didn't know, you didn't know really what was over that horizon, but you just took that one, you know, step at a time through the marathon of your life and and how far you've come since 93 and i i just think that's a that's a resilient testimony to any pharmacy student that's out there and listening to today and understand that if if you're if you're really in this if you want to be part of this um get ready for a marathon um, but you don't have to to run alone yeah no i i agree with you and i'm doing a 20k tomorrow which is about 12 and a half miles um, with it, a couple of thousand people. Uh, so that'll, that'll be fun. But yeah, no, I mean, you're absolutely right. And the thing was that, uh, like most people, I had no idea what was I, I was going to do. So I just kind of went with my gut, went out to Arizona after graduation, just kind of hung out there for four years, kind of came back home, did this real estate thing for a while, just kind of figured out things as I went along. Uh, always wanted to teach and took, uh, couple of tutoring positions with like Kaplan and even uh, the Baltimore city schools uh, as a substitute science teacher. So no job is too small as you're kind of figuring it out. And I know that, I don't know if you still take the students, but I think that the APPE that you offered or the chance to work with you that you offered uh, and seeing that entrepreneurship up front was, is, is absolutely critical. So I know a lot of students have a path and they have a plan and they have a curriculum, but make sure that you've got, you know, your heart in one or two electives that you're like, this might be something really cool. And I'm kind of, you know, gravitating towards it uh, because I, I assure you that, that, you know, when everybody was saying, I want to be a doctor and a fireman and a cop and whatever, when they were at grade school, no one was saying, well, what I want to do is go to pharmacy school. Then I want to be a real estate agent. Then I want to go back to the pharmacy. Then I'm going to become an author. And then I'm going to be a podcaster. And then I'm going to be teaching a community college. It just <laughs> it just works out because you just keep keep solving people's problems. Um, but uh, I, I would again kind of push away from that. There's only one way, and that residency is the only way, even though I am host of the Pharmacy Residency Podcast. Uh, but you'll find even those residents are finding that, okay, well, I don't like the way things are done. We need to move forward, and we need to move the profession forward. And there's a way that I can do this uniquely and be the best in the world at it. Uh, and that's where you want to go. So it's just it's kind of cool to watch it. But I, I wanted to bring this other point up. Um, how is it you you are like the Baltimore Ravens in that 18 Baltimore Ravens assistant coaches have become head coaches of NFL teams or NCAA teams. How is it that so many podcasters get their start with you? Wow, that's awesome. And it's a it's a privilege to help um, pharmacists get into podcasting. And, you know, I've I've probably helped 60 um, pharmacists in some capacity, whether very small or continuing to help run their show and market their show. And um, 
it's through LinkedIn or it's through Twitter or it's through them being a listener and they make a comment. And if they make a comment, I'm going to catch it because I'm on social all the time, all day long. (laughs) And I'm going to, I'm going to reach out to you and I'm going to say, you know, Hey, do you want to get involved? And that's how we brought in connections with Darshan Kulkarni. And that's how David Berkowitz got started. And that's how John uh, Shepard got started, who's now taken over Polititalk RX and Kimber Booth and uh, Carrie Mastro. It's just, it just goes on and on that the, the podcasters that are part of us and what their, what their understanding is, is this is a collective push to, uh, to, to resonate and to push out the voice of pharmacists on a mass level. And when we're ranked in the top 1% of 2.2 million podcasts of every podcast on planet Earth, uh, it tells me that collectively it's working and it's doing exactly what I designed it to do when when you joined and, and when we started to make it more of a network because I I had no authority in digging into the clinical and I knew that, but I wanted to learn and I wanted to help others learn through their commute or through jogging or through doing something that you could listen to audio. And that's where we are today. And, and, and I feel like I, I literally feel like we're just getting started. <laughs> no. And I, I, I agree with you and it's, you know, and I mentioned the, the rental cars earlier, but every time I get in a rental car and, you know, you see the podcast thing, my kids are like, dad, are you going to listen to yourself? I'm like, look, it's just quality control. I just want to make sure I uploaded the right episode and it's sounding right because <laughs> uh, every once in a while something does happen. But um, yeah, you know, and, and I kind of want to continue with this entrepreneurial thread that we're kind of going through because I think that many students go in, they're a little bit introverted. Uh, they want to be told what the next steps are. And uh, the, the thing with residency is that it is a path and and there are certain steps that will, will get you there. But I guess when when did, I don't want to say what was the biggest risk you took, but when was it that you were put at a crossroads, I guess, where you had to kind of decide, is it going to be my full-time job or is it, am I done with this? Am I going to go back to the safe and secure? I want to hear about that crossroads moment. Yeah, then that's, then that's crazy. Everybody's going to, everybody that wants to take their side gig to the next level are going to come to that same crossroad. And for me, it happened multiple times where I would become so frustrated at not having uh, the throughput that I wanted, and I'm on my worst, on my own worst critic. I I've tried to sell the Pharmacy Podcast Network on four different times, and one of the times we got to a letter of intent that um, that we were almost ready to pull the trigger. And for one reason or another, it didn't happen, which is, um, you know, a, a blessing because it wasn't until 2009 that I was able to have enough client support, you know, giving uh, the, the, the fees that we were charging to support so that I could uh, leave my uh, full-time, extremely nice, lucrative, you know, base salary position and and come full into the publication and that was scary as hell and my wife and i had um contention and 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 arguments for about six months after that decision and um now i'm on the other side where i feel like we've stabilized the publication we have two employees and um and we have uh every ability now to amplify uh, so much of the uh, of the content that is that is coming through the network, and also our clients' messaging. You know, SureScripts and OmniCell and Cardinal Health and IBM Watson working on artificial intelligence and drug development, and I mean all of these amazing organizations that see the benefit to audio branding and to um, amplifying their messaging and and doing it through pharmacists brings me so much joy to come in every morning and turn on my microphone and turn on our lights and get ready to go for an amazing day in content development. Yeah, I I had a couple of them as well. I remember uh, I was going to give up my job in a pharmacy um, and I had, I gave up my job in the pharmacy because it didn't make as much as the, uh, 
the job in real estate, but the real estate job was just so flexible and it was entrepreneurial. And this is something I want people to know. And I didn't realize until my mid twenties, you can like your job. Um, you don't have to kind of dread it. And uh, you know, I, I was in retail at the time and, and I really did to some extent kind of dread going in uh, just because it was all the weekends and nights and, and all of that stuff. And, and I expected this great, you know, weight to lift as soon as I left it and went into real estate. But then I just went right to panic mode, like, oh my gosh, it's February. No houses sell in February. Why did I do this in February? <laughs> yeah. So I had that first moment. And then uh, when my, my wife and I um, kind of uh, went to that point where I was, I had a mature real estate business, uh, you know, I've been in it six, seven years, everything was going great. And it was basically come to the Midwest or stay separate. And I just gave it up completely and just went to the Midwest with my pharmacy degree. Uh, I had no job. I had, I, I ended up getting a, a residency and, and I ended up leaving it, but I, I ended up getting a residency, leaving it and then working 20 hours a week. But the flexibility with that degree uh, kind of got me through there. But, and then I ended up in the position I am in now, which I absolutely love. So it's kind of funny that there will be, and it's crazy that it was every seven years, it's so biblical, but that you're going to come to a point where it's going to be like, all right, put up or shut up. You are going to have the golden handcuffs with the whatever 100, 120,000 that you make as a pharmacist, or you're gonna move on to this other thing. So tell me a little bit about how you actually made the headway to make the decision. Cause I, I can't imagine that you're sitting there showing your wife an Excel spreadsheet and she's like, Oh, all right. Well, the Excel spreadsheets uh, got the numbers. Everything looks right. Everything looks okay. That's going to be great for me. It was, we have to leave and we have to leave now. Okay. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> and then we just moved. So how was it for you? Oh, my. Um, it was nerve wracking. And, and it really happened over about a six month period of time. OK. Um, and at that point, when I left my uh, position as director of strategy for New Season, which was um, an opioid usage disorder uh, medication assisted treatment centers, they had 82 throughout the country. It was my job to marry pharmacists with their uh, comorbidity, um, you know, treatment protocols and in in public partnerships with emergency rooms and different things. And I loved that job and it was meaningful. But I knew that I could never grow this into a true uh, freestanding publication and 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 PR agency in the audio form per se um, until I jumped off. So. I ran as fast as I could um, in, in gathering as many clients as possible within that first six months in order to, you know, stabilize enough income to, to be able to make a, a living off of it. And there are there are uncles, you know, and aunts and cousins that I haven't talked to in years. I just saw two months ago when I was at a family wedding and they're like, you know, what are you doing now? You know, aren't you're still in the, the healthcare business, they would say. And I'm like, yeah, I'm a full-time podcaster. And they're like, what? Like, I, I can't even believe you could make a living at that. And I'm like, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's not, it's not easy. Like, but it, it's, it's absolutely doable. And it's the same thing in publishing. You know, when someone says, are you going to write a book? My answer is yes. I want to, I, I have a, a definite idea, two different, very specific ideas in writing a book. And when I look at you on Amazon and I see what 20 is there 20 books out there now that you have and it, I'm very envious that you you know you've set up the time and then and the necessary but now it's probably so much easier for you to to get a book out than it than your first one the first one's always the hardest yeah no I mean I I can I can probably do one in two weeks if I have time so it's it's kind of crazy that it's uh really just kind of yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot easier now, but that, that, that first one was certainly hard. And that was a big risk too, because the audiobook that's done so well, uh, he was 400 per finished hour and there were seven hours. So I put $2,800 into a narrator, having no idea whether or not uh, this would take off or not. And um, as of uh, last 
I think I'm, I just broke 40,000, uh, 45,000 audiobooks sold. So we're almost at that 50,000 mark. Uh, but it was, it was just a kind of a bet, a hunch, uh, just kind of, kind of went with it. But did you save money like before that, like as you were getting ready to kind of make the break, did you like kind of, uh, I don't know, create a war chest or, you know, 20% of your income in the, the just in case this doesn't work out fund or how did that go? I had about three months, which is definitely not enough um, money to carry me that I could have, I wouldn't have had to made, you know, one more dollar. Um, and that was all the time I gave myself to get up and running with enough, uh, client support to be able to carry me to that next stage. And, um, you know, it, it, what was really interesting is which scared me was when I brought on, um, our audio technician and he has his degree in, in audio, which is just brilliant that he knows and how fast he would work. Like when I hired him part-time, I said to him, well, it normally takes me two hours to edit a podcast. Here's what I do. Here's how I do it. He came to the, you know, to the studio and watched me and made fun of me of a couple times and how I used a, a pro logic or logic pro. And, and of course I'm not even trained on the software. And then he did my two hour podcast in about 30 minutes. And, and now we have no, we have nothing holding us back from a production perspective. So now it's my job to go out and, and find the clients and find the organizations that want to take advantage of the throughput and the, and the, the elevation of audio branding and the support of audio branding. And I want to give a shout out to the pharmacists that are out there. You have every capability of doing this and because of where publishing is going, we're going to work with a company called Fact MI, and it's P H A C T, uh, capital M, capital I, and um, they uh, concentrate on information collection for their pharmaceutical manufacturing partners. And much of that content is being actually more of that content is being designed by pharmacists than anyone else. And we have a, a partnership with that organization to move into. Uh, this peer-reviewed audio environment, which is so necessary to ensuring that our pharmacists and our physicians and, and practitioners that are listening are listening to uh, bona fide good stuff. And, and it's amazing where this publication is going. I see, I see us going into a lot more strategies with pharmacy schools um, to differentiate what they're delivering to their uh, pharmacy um, students and and being able to give more to those pharmacy students than the traditional education. Yeah, I want to I want to end with this one story and then ask you the the same thing. So, uh, I I'd started in real estate and I wasn't very good at it for whatever reason. I thought that you know the medical knowledge would somehow transfer to success in sales. It didn't. It actually was kind of the other way around. I, I was, you know, so busy reading everything, making sure everything was right. You know, I, it slowed me down. And I remember I, I ended up with Buffini and Company, which is a real estate coaching company. And uh, they're probably the biggest in the world now. And when I first talked to my coach, I said, you know, I just really need to slow down and kind of get everything up. And she's like, no, no. No, that is the opposite of what you need. What you need is to speed up. And she gave me two things. The first was, she said, we're going to do 2 million in sales. And I was like, whoa, whoa, that is crazy. Because I'd done like half a million a year or something like that for the year or two before. And the second thing is, we got to get all the obstacles out of the way so you can go at a speed that is much faster than we're at. And you found that out from the production I have in terms of podcast episodes. And that was really important because I didn't understand that I was, I was doing things I don't like to do. And so I wasn't getting to places I wanted to get to. So when you, if, if audio you know, mastering is not something that is your highest and best use, then you really do have to farm that out and, and let somebody else do that for you. And then also having somebody that that was really, and this I give you credit for, looking at at much bigger goals. Because I would say, well, let's do this. And you're like, do this. Let's do this, this, and that. And what are you thinking? Just this. Uh, so I think that 
the one thing that holds an entrepreneur back and why so many entrepreneurs do well in pairs, like the Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak, um, Bill Gates and um, the other guys that were around him uh, did so well is that they found that other person that likes to do what they don't really like to do and they're not great at and vice versa. What are the things that you don't necessarily like to do? And then what are the things that you feel you're great at? I love working with pharmacists on the actual content as well as the client on developing of the content and building in ideas into um, into marketing it and in getting that messaging out that they would have never thought of because of all the tricks that I've learned over the years. Um, and I, I love business development. It's, it's been, I've been in business development since 1996. So that was even before my pharmacy days. And it's very addictive. It, if you can, if you can go after something and then you, you capture the attention in, in its quality and you make money at, at doing that, that once again, I think that's, that's been something that's been part of my world for forever. But what I hate is I don't, I'm not good at the financial side. I just got done talking to um, to uh, a podcaster. He has a podcast called Farm uh, Farm D Money. He's Derek Delaney. His wife is a pharmacist, and he's a he's a financial planner. and And that's what I told him. I said my weakness is the 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 CFO side of a business that that you have to be understanding cash flow and investments and what not to spend and when to spend and yeah, that whole side is is just not my strength, nor is operations and nor is uh, managing people. I love working with people, but I'm a I'm a I'm a micro, you know, I'm a macro manager where I give very little day to day operational direction because I just expect people to go do the job. <laughs> and uh, and I don't I just don't I don't have that. So when we grow and we we start hiring people to really scale the publication. I'm definitely going to have a second in command that can act as the, you know, the COO type that can really run the, the organization to allow me to go talk to the, the deans of schools and the pharmaceutical uh, strategist, the pharmaceutical manufacturer strategist and the marketing people and the, and the, co uh, the, the public relations organizations, Tony, that I had no idea that I needed to be entrenched with in order to make this publication, um, you know, continue to grow. Um, our partnership with PR now is 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 happening every month, uh, if not every week, and it, it's so important to be to be part of that that ecosystem. Awesome. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I feel like we we got out there the the steps to you know starting not just your podcast, but your you know your kind of getting into your mission and getting. Um, uh, what problem you want to solve. Yep. Um, I guess my only last piece of advice would be that uh, really there's somebody that can probably move you forward a lot faster than uh, you would expect. And for podcasting, it was you. Uh, we just happened to connect and uh, I just, you know, all of a sudden they're like, oh my gosh, your podcasts are all popular. You just create a new podcast and then everybody listens to it. I was like, yeah, <laughs> I had a good teacher, so, <laughs> so it all, it all works out. Um, but any last words from you? I no, told you I, I'd hijack this thing. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I just think, you know, shouting out to everyone that, that is a, it, whatever stage you're in, understand that the, the thing that's going to hold you back more than anything is you and your lack of believing in yourself. And if you're a pharmacist, if you're a pharmacy technician, someone in our profession that wants to become a content developer, I will gladly help you and, and give you direction in doing so. There are people out there like Dr. Kimber Booth, uh, who's known as the, the connector, the connector life. And she has the connector life podcast. She's just amazing. There's people out there on our network who are, are ready to do their part to help you elevate and help you get to the next level. And even people like yourself, Tony, who have helped how many, how many people do you think, you know, have read all of your books or consumed all of your content. And these are thousands of people when we have 311,000 active pharmacists. I'm going to guess that more than 75% have run into something that you've created, you know, over their careers. And what that means for the person that's listening is you have a part to play because the domino that you are that can be this 
collective powerhouse of what is the pharmacy industry, you know, be part of this transformation, be part of this change and, and be ready to give, you know, because you're going to get, you know, it's, it's going to happen. If you, if you're a giver, like I am, I'm all about giving, you're going to get back and you're going to get people that are going to be good people that are going to help you to succeed. And just remember that and, and practice that. Awesome. Well, what I'm going to do is I'll actually send you a, this thing called the domino chain reaction where you have this, like this really tiny domino and then it gets this bigger domino and then bigger domino. And then this really super large one, uh, because I think that's what you've done. You've taken, you know, small steps and just continued to kind of magnify it. And um, it's just been fantastic. So I appreciate all your mentorship. I certainly appreciate this special five-year anniversary episode. I can't believe it's gone so fast. And then my kids were five when we were talking and now they're 10. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I hope to to do your 10-year anniversary episode because you're... <laughs> You're uh, you're in a position, um, you know, from a veteran perspective of this network, um, you've been here the longest and have stayed here the longest. And we have so much. I have so much personally, not only appreciated um, the the faithfulness to the network and in always mentioning the network and giving us a, a, a kudos and, and, and recognition of what we've done, but also your friendship, Tony, has has meant a lot to me and being able to just text you and 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 always getting teased about the uh, Baltimore uh, Ravens. <laughs> yeah, we didn't mention that you are, you know, within a thro- stone's throw of where the Monongahela meets the <laughs> uh, Shenandoah. And what's the other, what's the third river? Uh, the Monongahela, the Shenandoah, and the Allegheny. Allegheny. Okay, yeah, Pittsburgh Steelers. So um, we'll continue to, to keep that in mind. <laughs> well, I thank you, Tony, for your dedication to the network, but more importantly, to our profession. And um, what you're doing for, for others is, is so important. So thank you. All right. Thanks again. Bye.